Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. We allowed our lives to give birth to something that we really thought would bring peace. Whether it was that guy, that job, that drink, that pill, that ambition, whatever it is. And that thing has taken over and now is tormenting us. And instead of us being lead over it, it is now chasing us and we are running for our lives from it. And so this week, unpacking that and praying for each of you and exactly what the Lord wants to unpack tonight for us, he kept bringing me back to this third psalm. And this is particularly interesting because this is the first time in all of Scripture that a specific word is used. And that's what we're going to name the title of this teaching tonight. It's David's Prayer of Selah. Everyone say Selah. If you're writing it down, it's S-E-L-A-H. David's Prayer of Selah. Well, Pastor Ashley, Selah, is that even English? No, it's not English. It's Hebrew. And I think it's particularly interesting because most of you are thinking that you know no Hebrew, but you do. How many of you have ever used the word amen in your prayers? That is Hebrew. How about maybe when you're singing worship? How many of you have used the word hallelujah? That is Hebrew. And you know what's interesting is the word selah, one that we don't know too well, one that's not taught too often, is actually used three times more in Scripture than amen and hallelujah. Don't you think that's interesting? And if you go and look in your actual versions of Scripture, there are entire versions that don't even include it. So most of you will have to pull up the NASB to actually see the word Selah. And even in some of those, it'll just be notated and you have to actually click on the little blue letter to see the word. Well, why is the enemy so terrified of us knowing this word? Why? Because it's really powerful. Because this word, if we actually internalize its meaning and put it to practice, can and will not only transform our prayer lives, but the entirety of our well-being. The entirety of who we are. And so some of you, if you have ever been taught the word Selah, you may have been taught that it's a type of pause. And that's not incorrect. It is a type of pause. And in fact, especially when you're talking about the Psalms, it's a notation that even in that song, because that's what a Psalm is, it's a poem or a song, even in that, it's a point at which you pause. But that's not the entirety of the definition. How many of you know that we pause a lot as women in our lives. And there are a lot of different types of pauses. 
let's, let's think about it for a second. Uh, I walk into my kitchen in the middle of the day on Saturday, and I stop and I go, what, it, what was I looking for? That's a pause. Not a sailor. Okay? That moment when that gentleman walks up to me and says, you know, I have never liked a female preacher. And I stop and I wait for him to hopefully finish that statement. And he doesn't. That's a pause. Not a sailor. How about uh, that moment as a mom, right? When that kid has just pushed every button and you get that crazed <laughs> look on your face. And maybe my mom had this like weird pursed lip thing that good Lord, if her lips went pursed, you better run. It was, <laughs> it's a pause, not a sailor. So what exactly is this principle of Selah, what is it if it's not just a pause? Well, I want to look at the two root words for Selah that most theologians agree that this word actually comes from. And the two root words, we have it for the screens in case you want to write it down. The first one is Salah, which I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but it's okay because you can write it down and Google it, right? And the idea of this first word is to weigh something and decide its value, okay? And that principle comes from the ancient trading of goods and the idea that something's value was established by weighing it on scales, scales very much like this one. Isn't this one beautiful? Pastor Bill, if you're watching, thank you for leaving this in your office. I, I love it, and I look at it daily. It's so beautiful. But this idea that you're comparing it, you're weighing it, and you're deciding what value you are going to ascribe to it. That's the first part. The second part of this term, selah, is saw lao, to build up, to lift up, or exalt. So that first part of the pausing is that you are going to weigh whatever it is is before you. You're gonna decide what value it holds, and then the second part of it is once you decide the value it holds, then you are going to exalt it, you're going to place it above all the other things. Does that make sense? So it's not just pausing. It's pausing to weigh, meaning deciding the value of something. And then once you decide the value, you're going to place it above all the others. That's really different than just pausing. And in terms of our prayer life, it changes everything. It changes the way we approach prayer. It changes our hearts and our perspectives inside of prayer. And we see that this did the exact same things 
with David. So tonight we're gonna look at three of the Selahs that David speaks in this prayer as he is running from his favorite son who is leading an army to not only murder him, but overtake his kingdom. My heart this week has been burdened for whatever it is that you are terrified of right now. Whatever it is that's waking you up in the middle of the night, the anxiety that you don't feel like you can tell anyone about, that overwhelming feeling where you can't breathe and you feel like no one can understand. Some of you have even told the Lord that you'd rather go home and be with him than do life like this. And I want you to know that there is a God who sees what you're walking through and he is the answer. He has not left you. And I believe personally that these principles will help you in that flight from what is terrorizing you now. The very first Selah that we'll talk about that David unpacks is the Selah that silences. The Selah that silences. Look at Psalm 3. We'll start with verse 1. Again, I told you, it's a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. Verse 1 says, O Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. Selah. Everyone say Selah. In this moment, David has a choice and he recognizes that he has a choice. He calls out to the Lord and tells the Lord everything that everyone else is saying of his soul. He's calling out to the Lord how he feels. He's calling out to the Lord what he's walking through, but then he takes a moment to pause, but not just to pause. He takes a moment to weigh. What is he weighing? He's weighing what others are saying versus what the Lord says. And I want you to write that down. What others are saying versus what the Lord says. Because every day of your life, every prayer, every situation, every battle, you're gonna have to decide what are you gonna give more value to? Are you gonna give more value to what people are saying about your situation? Or are you gonna give more value to what the Lord says about your situation? And some of you don't have the problem with allowing others to speak over you. Some of you have the issue of allowing what you're saying about your situation in your own head to outweigh what the Lord says. Oh, Pastor Ashley, I don't do that. Yes, you do, because you allow your emotions, which are high one second and low the next second, which are this way this moment and this way the next moment, and yet you trust those over the actual infallible Word of God. 
And so we're gonna have to learn in those moments to silence those things that are not as valuable as God's word. I'm talking about his Logos word. I'm talking about his Rhema word. Getting into the scriptures, finding out exactly what the Lord says about your situation and doing the listening that we talked about last week to allow him to speak over you specifics of your path. Stopping to weigh which is gonna hold more value right now. Maybe what the past has said, maybe what other individuals have spoken over you, what your memories are speaking. Somebody needs to hear this tonight. You need to understand that you have control of even the way you remember things. You have control over the way you recall situations and circumstances. Amen. See, out of the mouth of babes, she gets it. You have control of the way you recall those things. You have control of how often you recall those things. You have control of what you are giving value to. Is it that you were a victim in that moment or that the Lord brought you through? There is power in what you give value to and you can't just find what you're giving value to. The second step literally has to come immediately after. The second you realize what should hold the most value, you have to make a choice to exalt it. Because if you don't, then you're just recognizing it, but ignoring the action. So in that moment, not only do you have to silence those other voices, even if they're your own. So what you feel a certain way? So what? What does the Lord say? Feelings come and go. Emotions come and go. Hormones come and go. Thank you, Jesus, that they go. <laughs> we have choices over what we give more value to and then what we act on, what we exalt over others. So that's the first area, the Selah that silences all of those voices that aren't the Lord's. The second area, I told you I was gonna get you out of here faster. The second area that in this prayer, David prays is a Selah, the Selah that sees. Everyone say sees. The Selah that sees. This comes with the decision between focusing on what is currently happening versus what God has already done. That's your decision. What are you weighing? What are you weighing? What others are saying versus what the Lord says, right? And then the Selah that sees is what is currently happening versus what God has already done. Come on, that's it. We have a choice over what we are giving more value to. Look with me, Psalm 3. 
Verse, verse three says, this is picking up in that same prayer from David, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me. David's speaking from experience. He's walked through some battles and the Lord has shielded him and he is recalling. He is making a decision to remember all the times that the Lord has protected him. Lord, you're my glory. You're the one who lifts my head. God, I see Absalom's army. I know the plans that he's already plotted. God, I may feel scared, but I am focusing. I am weighing what it looks like around me versus what I've seen you do over and over and over and over. For me and for others and in scripture, Lord, this is who you are. And you know what I'm doing? I'm putting more value on that than what I see with my physical eyes. I'm putting more value on that. And I'm not just putting more value on that. I'm gonna exalt it. I'm raising it up. I am putting it before everything else. And I'm gonna focus on that. It says, Lord, you're my glory. You're the one who lifts my head. Verse four, I was, if you have your Bibles, underline that word was. He's talking in past tense. He's not talking about what he sees right now. He's not talking about what he's doing right now. I was crying to the Lord with my voice and I'm remembering that he answered me from his holy mountain. Selah. I see everything around me. I'm not denying that it's not happening. I see it, but I'm choosing to exalt how God has saved me over and over and over and over and how he's delivered over and over and over and over and how faithful he's been over and over and over. And that will be of value. So I'm gonna exalt that above how scared I am, above what I see, above the arrows that I'm seeing, above every attack, I am deciding to exalt that above. And you know what's interesting, even as a psychologist, if you're new here, uh, all my background is in psychology and I was a professor and a psychologist before I was ever a pastor. And so even in the secular world of psychology, one of the practical at-home tools that you can do to fight anxiety is to lay, and there's something about your belly, man, deep, calling to deep, Right? and you can press your fingers, and for every finger you're pressing in, you're saying out loud something you're grateful for. When the world knows this, the church needs to wake up. Stopping for a second and going, Lord, I thank you, God, that one time, Lord, the enemy meant it for evil and you turned it for good. Lord, I thank you for delivering me. Number two, Lord, I thank you for the way you healed my daughter that time. I thank you. And you start speaking that out and it literally is your heart, your mind, your body recognizing how the Lord sees you, what he's done for you. And that perfect love casts out fear. It can't live. It can't stay there. Why? Because you're giving value, not to what you're seeing, but to what he's already done. It's those baskets we talked about. And this is war. 
It's those baskets and understanding those baskets will allow us to move into a different realm. If you don't remember that, go back and watch that teaching. This idea of gathering everything that the Lord's done for us, making sure you exalt it over what you're seeing in the natural right now. There's power in that. A Selah that silences, a Selah that sees what God's done for me throughout my life, not just what's happening right now. And the last one is Mike comes back. The last Selah in this prayer is a Selah that sustains. Everyone say sustains. Psalm 3, the last part of that prayer. Verse 5. David says, I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord, what? Sustains me. I will not be afraid of 10,000 of people who have set themselves against me around about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For you have smitten all my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. Selah. When I was praying about this, literally this morning at 3 a.m., I was praying about, Lord, what, what do you mean sustains? Because, I, man, the Holy Spirit, I can't even explain it, and I know it sounds weird, but he'll highlight certain words for me in the supernatural, and it's not like an actual highlight, and I don't even know how to articulate it to you except for my spirit sees it, and it's weird, and I get it, but that's how a lot of this happens. And, and so that word sustains was highlighted, and I was like, Lord, what do you mean? And so I go to one of the most spiritual references that I've ever come across in the entire world. And that's Google. (laughs) The Lord uses Google in my life, people. Not just to prove my husband wrong, but for deep study, right? And so I Googled Oxford English Dictionary, sustain. And the Lord wrecked me over Google, right? Because you see that word in the English language has at least three definitions. And I have them for you. The first one, sustain, is to strengthen or support. And you understand that because you've used that word in that, in that way. That thought has sustained him throughout the years, right? It, it strengthened him. It supported him. And some of us understand sustain that way. The second definition is to undergo or suffer. And I hadn't thought about that. He sustained severe head injuries. And then the third definition, to cause to continue for an extended period of time. You know, just this idea of for any length of time, he can't sustain a normal conversation, something like that. This idea of an extended period of time. And leave those definitions up for just a second. 
Because I realize that so many of us in the middle of our hardest times, when we're supposed to see that God is strengthening us, when we're supposed to see that He is supporting us in a way that we can't even imagine, instead, we are blaming Him for suffering. We're blaming Him for the extended period of time that we're having to walk through something that doesn't feel great. And so while David is saying, the Lord sustains me, the Holy Spirit quickened me and said, if my daughters can just realize that I am their strength, I am their support, I am not there to have them suffer. I am not the reason that they are walking through any long period, extended period of time, this suffering. And if they can understand that, it will shift the way they pray. It'll shift the way they approach me. It'll shift the way they think about me. It'll change everything. This idea of the Lord really strengthening us. JF and I, when we can make it, we do this boot camp exercise thing at the YMCA in Lakewood, right? And uh, there's this one awesome chica named Elise, Elise the Fit Beast. And uh, she destroys us in the best way possible. And we can take our kids in there with them because it's all in this big gym, right? And so the kids are kind of like running around and playing and stuff while we're doing all the ridiculous exercises. And I remember... Fulton was playing with some of the other kids. And then when we finished the camp, the boot camp, and I mean, we're just drenched and we're wrecked and we're sweaty and we're gross. And he, Fulton said, Mommy, why does that woman make you do that stuff? <laughs> like, sometimes I feel that way. Uh, and I said, oh, baby, she's not making me do it. I don't have to do it. I get to do it. I get to do it because it strengthens me. It strengthens me. It makes me stronger. It makes me healthier. It makes me go further, faster. And I'm trying to put it in his words. I, I don't have to do it. I get to do it. And I thought about that. Lord, we, we pray and ask you, God, for more faith. And yet when he gives us opportunities to strengthen our faith, Lord, why am I suffering? Why do I have to endure this? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you wanted more faith. It has everything to do with what we're weighing, what we're putting value on, what we decide to exalt above all the other things in this idea of the Lord sustaining. I was thinking this week about the Puyallup Fair. We took Izzy and Fulton quite a few weeks back and it's kind of part of Izzy's birthday. And my kids love the fair, man. It is like, and they've not been to Disney World, so it is Disney World for them, you know? And I was... Uh, walking with Fulton and he, he loved, they love those fun house places with like all the weird climbing things and the and whatever. Anyway, so he spotted the one with like the big thing of balls, 
right in the middle. Do you know which one I'm talking about with the ropes and there's a slide and then there's this massive thing of balls that's like taller than him. And I'm kind of nervous because there's a lot of big kids in there. And I'm like, mm, buddy, I don't know that you want. He's, oh yeah, I'm doing that one. That's the one. I'm doing that one, mom. I'm on it. All right, bud, I'm, I'm here. And so he's climbing up and doing the whole thing and he dives into the balls and then I like don't see him for a second. And I don't know about you guys, but like, I've talked about this before. I'm a little bit of a germaphobe. So I'm thinking through like how gross those balls are. Oh, and how much vomits probably. Like dirty diaper, whatever. I don't know. So my mind is, and, and I look and I still don't see him. And then, and then I see his little head, but some bigger kids jump in. And I'm like, oh, no, they didn't. And I'm watching closer and then they start getting a little rough around him and in that moment I hear mom and I hear how nervous he is and I'm like oh let me in there I'm and I jump into the I got no band that poor the poor old man's like jumping after me I'm like I'll pay later you know I'm like give me my baby in Jesus name I mean those teenage boys had no clue what hit them, you know? <laughs> Why? He's my kid. I don't care that he chose to go in there. I don't care. He's my kid. He's my kid. My kid. Some of you need to hear that. He is your father. You're his kid. But Lord, I'm running from something that I created. Doesn't matter. You're his kid. You're his kid. Oh, but Lord, it's part, it's my fault. Doesn't matter. You're his kid. You're his kid. And some of you think that this God that calls himself your father just wants you to suffer so that you learn your lesson. That is not the God we serve. That's not him. And you know, I love how David ends this prayer. Look back at that passage. In verse eight, he reminds us the very last line of the prayer, the last line right before he says, Selah. He says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Somebody needs to hear that. Deliverance, that belongs to the Lord. That was the Lord's idea. His idea, not your idea. That was his idea. He took care of it before you were even in this mess. Deliverance belongs to him. He already owns it. You think you're having to beg him into it? No, no, no. It is his. It's his idea. He is listening for you to call out to him. Why? Because you're his kid. You're his kid. And David closes with your blessing be upon, really it reads in the original translation, your blessing is upon your people. Not a curse, not a punishment, a blessing. That is our father, a blessing. And when you start to weigh that, 
and value that in your prayer life. When you approach the Lord in a way that understands that your salvation, your deliverance is his idea, not yours. You don't have to convince him. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to talk him into, please, oh, please, oh, please, just this one time. No, it was his idea in the first place. Then you can stop. You can pause. Go, man, the Lord sustains me. That doesn't mean he makes me suffer. It means he brings me strength and support. The Lord sustains me. That doesn't mean he's making sure I walk through it long enough so I learn my lesson. No, it's strength and support, the Selah of sustaining. He's your deliverance. He is blessing for you. That blessing rests upon you. Breathe easy in that, friends. He has blessing for you and not curse. That changes the way that we pray, changes the way that we rest in Him, when we decide what we're gonna place value to and we exalt what he has done, what he says, right? And how he sees us. Selah, Selah. Because when I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, Lord, I want to give them tools to recognize when the enemy is trying to weigh in. I need them to understand, Lord, how and what to value and what it actually means to exalt your way, your thoughts, your words over everything else, even what we're feeling, even what we see, even past hurts, all of it. But I believe that the Lord this week will start to reveal things that you didn't even know were there. Things like, oh, I've been listening to this voice over what you say, Lord. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Or, Lord, I still have that mentality that you, you kind of want to punish me to make sure I learn that lesson. Forgive me of that. Lord, I repent of that. You're the God that sustains me. Deliverance is your idea. Blessing is what you've already put on me. Whether I walk in it or not, it's already there on me. It's exactly what David said. Lord, help me, help us to not only pause, that's hard enough, Lord, for most of us, our minds just reel. Pausing is hard. Help us to pause. Help us to see what's before us so that we can weigh and place value on what you have for us. And then Lord, help us take that next step to exalt, to focus, to have in our perspective as we pray what you desire, what you say, what you've done. It'll change everything for us, ladies, everything. Father, we just ask God right now that you speak to us. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Help us to start to understand the power of this pausing, 
The power of this weighing, the power of what we value, of what we focus on, of what we put our minds, our hearts, our wills, our focus, God, what we dwell on matters. So Lord, I just pray that you speak tonight so clearly. Lord, we want to grasp this concept of Selah. In the way that David did, Lord, it'd be awesome if we wouldn't have to run from one of our kids trying to kill us to grasp it. None of us wants to do that. But Lord, we are so appreciative of this lesson that David is giving us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you just bring wisdom tonight on every woman here. Lord, I ask for knowledge I ask for understanding beyond their years, beyond their experiences, beyond how much of your word they've read, beyond all of it, Lord, that you would impart supernatural wisdom on each and every woman. Lord, that you would help them to even see what they have been valuing and how it skewed their prayer life. Lord, that you would help them understand and comprehend what they have exalted over what you've said. And how it's even shifted the way that they see you. Lord, that you would help us to know that deliverance was always your idea. You took care of it before we'd even stepped into this mess. And that your blessings are already on us. We don't have to earn them. We don't have to beg you for them. Help us to learn to walk in them. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.